Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Warrior Within, and we're going to continue talking about the seed or the sower of the seed and the soils of the story. Uh, last week we went over and we talked about, and well, we were in Luke 8, but just to let you know, there is other books that do have it. So I do have Matthew 13 up, but we were in Luke 8 and we were talking about the seed that landed on basically the pavement or hard ground that didn't allow the root to even make it where the birds ate it or basically Satan comes in and his demons come in and just kind of pull you away from what you just heard because you're so focused on yourself basically you're so focused on what you want the desires that you just want to have and got to taste the truth but it had no chance to grow because you're already hardened your heart. Yeah, so these past couple of days I've been actually kind of fasting where I haven't been eating all day until dinner and just been spending a lot more time in God's word, um, prayer for worship and prayer and thought and just writing down anything that God's teaching me through what I listen to, through the Bible I'm reading through. And yesterday I actually spent a lot... Romans 8. Cool. I, I want to encourage you guys, if you have not done anything like that, to try it. Even if it's just for one day, you know, don't eat anything all day until dinner. And spend time in God's word and prayer and, and just listen to worship. And allow God to speak to you. But anyway, it's been insightful. And two, we're about to go into the next soil, which is something... That's kind of important because what I just said does have a factor in that in a lot of ways to me. So the next one is actually about the seed that's thrown in the rock. So if we were to go, let's see, verse 6, it says, Other seed fell among rocks. It began to grow, but the plants soon wiltered and died for the lack of moisture. Okay. We go down to the meaning, I believe it's verse 13. Yep. Verse 13, it says, The seeds on the rocky soil represent those who hear the message and receive it with joy. Since they don't have deep roots, they believe for a while, and then they fall away when they face temptations. And if we were to go to Matthew, it would be underneath verse 5, so Matthew 13. I didn't say that. Verse 5, it says, Other seed fell on the shallow soil with underlining rock. The seed sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow. And then if you go down to the meaning, which is verse 20, the seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message, immediately receive it with joy, and since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing God's word. Now, what's interesting in Matthew that they do not have Luke, I'm sure, or at least part of it. So Matthew, it actually has the full prophecy of Isaiah that says, When you hear what I say, you will not understand. When you see what I do, you will not comprehend. For the hearts of those people are hardened, and their ears cannot hear. And they have closed their eyes, so that their eyes cannot see, and their ears cannot hear, 
for their hearts cannot understand and they cannot turn to me and let me heal them. So basically the first three seeds are about people either they've heard and seen but different situations happen where they kind of lose understanding through it. Because I like in how verse 15 in Matthew um, it states near the end it says uh, and their ears cannot hear and their hearts cannot understand and they cannot turn to me and let me heal them. You see it says in verse 16 but blessed are you are your eyes because they see and your ears because they hear I tell you the truth many prophets and righteous people longed to see what you see but they didn't see it and they longed to hear what you hear but they didn't hear it because back in this time the, the a lot of the times the Jews were looking for basically like a savior king someone to come in and triumph over whatever nation was over them just like God had done throughout the old you know the Old Testament this time it was Rome and there had been a lot of rebellions there had been times where people were risen up saying that they were the Messiah and people would follow but then it would fall apart over time because well he wasn't the Messiah for one and two because they had the wrong motive of what they were trying to do you see they they focused on too heavily on the idea of the physical kingdom issue that was going on versus the heart issue which was promised in Isaiah that a Messiah would come that there would be someone who would come into this into this time frame who would not be fighting for the kingdom of Israel physically but creating the kingdom of God through the new church that would be established by Jesus and his disciples having that understanding come back and you look at the soil story and you see that there were seeds thrown into the rock now you actually could physically think about a rock ground there's not a lot of dirt there's not a lot of dirt that means there's not a lot of moisture that sticks around but two there's also not a lot of nutrients I'll be honest one of the main things about this, this seed moment really comes down to the understanding of how does, how does a church today help someone who accepts Christ get founded or some type of grounding in the truth? I use the word discipleship. Um, a lot of people use it very often, but the question is, how does that work? Do, do churches actually literally disciple people who are new in the faith? I mean, I know there's churches that would say, yes, we do. I know there's places that, you know, whatever organization would say, yes, we do. But what does that really look like? Because why in the world would someone be able to grow so quickly, but then still falter away when things get hard? What was their faith on? Was their faith on doing what was right? Was their faith on standards they were supposed to follow was their faith in the people that were around them because a lot of times what happens is these people put their faith on the wrong thing their faith is in all this stuff around them so when that all fails or falters or crashes like what matthew says in verse 20 and 21 but since they don't have deep roots they don't last long 
movies very similar. Go to verse 13, and it says very much the same thing. They receive it with joy, but since they don't have deep roots, they believe for a while, and then they fall away when they face temptation. So in other words, when things get hard, they bail. And then they start searching, trying to figure out, you know, why did Christianity fail? How come I'm still battling these sins? How come I'm still struggling to understand this relationship with God? Well, just like any relationship, it takes time, it takes effort, it takes work. And I think we live in a culture that is so heavily desirable for things to happen quickly, now, in the moment. So they miss out. And basically, like in Matthew, they don't hear. Because they want everything to happen now, happen today. So sometimes, you know, we have to ask ourselves, like, what what is a short time? Well, to me, if you've only been in the faith for like two to three years, four years, and you're expecting to be considered like someone who's strong in the faith, you know, that's not that many years if you think about it overall, especially if you're in a church or churches that are not providing a good discipleship for you, a small group that helps you grow in your faith as a new believer, um, you know, if no one's teaching you how to study the scripture, if no one's teaching you the understanding of what, how important prayer is. But the thing is, I think they lose sight on understanding what a relationship with God is supposed to be. So instead of finding growth, a strong growth, you know, a steady growth and a good solid ground, their growth is limited by basically concerns of this world they're they're based on what they see around them so when things are going great their relationship with god goes great and i think a lot of christians actually do fall into this type of category quite more often than we realize you know it's not just people who fall through the cracks i think a lot of christians think this way on a daily basis so when they're having a good time in their life means that God's blessing them. When they're having a hard time in their life, they think God's not blessing them. And so they, what what they do is instead of staying strong in the faith or, or continuing trying to build a stronger root foundation, they start focusing on themselves and then they kind of give into their temptations. They give into their sin. They give into the situation that they're in because, hey, you know, well, it's just part of life and therefore, you know, I just got to deal with it. And I know I'm still going to go to heaven. Everything is great, but, you know, it's just, this is just too much. So they kind of just fall into what their old self would do. You know, a good example is someone who basically struggles with pornography and they, they work at it so hard to not allow pornography to have a foothold, but they focus so much on avoidance instead of asking God to help them figure out how to get get rid of it how to remove it from their lifestyle so when things get hard when it starts failing all the time instead of trying to figure out a strong relationship with god or, or focusing on building that relationship with god they focus on how to avoid doing the sin so they lose sight on what they're supposed to be focused on they start focusing on defeating the sin instead of focusing on god to defeat the sin for them 
because you know it's wrong. You know that it's a problem. You know that it's it's a part of your life and you've created a bad habit. Well, you know, the answers could be removing everything that could open that door. But in reality, you can't run away from that sin because somehow Satan and his cohorts will bring it back into your life. So unless you're planning to be a hermit who hides into the darkness of night and never shows himself into the social media life world or has any effect of being involved in anything, it, it, it just doesn't work. That's why Romans 8 was quite interesting because I learned stuff from there. Now, if we start right off the beginning, it says, So now there is no condemnation for those who belong in, G in Christ Jesus. And because you belong to him, the power of, of the life-giving spirit has, has freed you. So from the power of sin that leads to death, the law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of sin nature. So God did what the law could not do. He sent his son in a body like the bodies we sinners have. And the in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sins. So God has given us a way to not be under the power of sin. He did this so that just requirement of law would be fully satisfied for us who no longer follow our sinful nature, but instead follow the spirit. And in verse five, he even says, those who are dominated by sinful nature, think about sinful things, but those who controlled by the Holy Spirit Think about things that please the spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death, but letting the spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. For the sinful nature is always hostile to God and never did obey God's law and it never will. That's why those who are still under control of their sinful nature can never please God. You are not controlled by your sin nature, you're controlled by the Spirit if you have the Spirit of God living in you. And remember that those who do not have the Spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to him at all. Christ lives within you. Even though your body will die because of sin, the Spirit gives you life because you have been made right with God. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, you will give life to your mortal bodies by the same spirit living within you. Therefore, brethren and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. For if you live by its, by its dictates, you will die. But if through the power of the spirit put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you will live for all who are led by the spirit of God are children of God. So clearly it tells you in these scriptures is basically we are not bound to that sin nature anymore. There is no reason to allow it to control you other than you. So we're going to take a quick break in this moment and I want you guys to think about it. It's really our decision whether the spirit controls our life or we allow the sin hatred that is still there but we're not controlled by it it's still going to affect us so where is your focus on who are you allowing to lead your life see you in a moment
Hey guys, welcome back. And we've been talking about the seed that's thrown in the stone. Um, right now we're going through Romans 8. Because it actually connects with this thought. But the idea is, guys, I want you to understand. We are no obligation if we have the spirit to the sinful nature that's in us. That means when temptation comes, when those opportunities to do what is not godly or doing what is of the world... It's really our choice to do it. There's nothing holding us back other than our own selves. So when that urge to look at pornography comes up, it, it doesn't have to be... You don't have to do it. God has given you a way to escape. I mean, even in James, if we were to actually look in James... Um, just give me a second. But if we look in James, James itself even has this in there that God does not tempt men. Okay. That means that God doesn't put you in a temptational situation. The world does or sin nature does. You know, it says in James 1, 12, it says God blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptation. Afterward, they will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. And remember, when you're being tempted, do not say God is tempting me. God is never tempted to do wrong, and he never tempts anyone else. Temptation comes from our own desires, which entice us and drag us away. These desires give birth to sinful actions. And when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. So don't be misled, my dear brothers and sisters. Whatever is good and perfect is a gift coming down to us from God our Father, who created all the lights in, he in the heavens. He never changes or casts a shifting shadow. He, he chose to give birth to us by giving us his true word. And we, out of all creation, became his prized possession. So we are not bound to the temptation. We can't say... You know, well, you know, it's just so hard. Well, it isn't hard because if you're focusing on God, you're spending time in God's word, you're being rooted and it takes time. And sometimes temptation doesn't just quit and quit and quit. Sometimes it's all the time in your face and you have to choose. Do I just fall into it or do I fall back into God's presence? I mean, a lot of people say, well, just pray in the moment. Well, it's, it's deeper than that. If you're not building a relationship with him, even just simply praying, it's not going to stop the moment if you're not focusing on God's word. Like, I know some pastors who memorize certain verses because they had struggled with the pornography so heavily that they have certain verses that they have hidden in their heart that when they know when that time comes, those verses pop out to them. And that's something that you should be doing. If you're struggling, then engrave God's word into your heart somehow. And that comes in time doesn't come in in one moment it, it comes in time you're growing a relationship with god and a lot of times people misunderstand it so they quit because it's too hard because it makes it takes more effort for them to walk away so they chase after other things they join other religions they try to find things that give them some type of checklist system that they have to follow to help them stay on track because they don't have basically they don't have the guts and the capability to do it themselves by walking with God. 
They're more afraid that they're going to fail than they are to allow God to bring in that grace and that peace and that resurrection mercy that you need change because that's the one thing i think we decided that we think once we accept christ and we repent of our sin that's it but no it's the changing of your ways the way that you live the turning from sin if you need to find programs that help you block websites then do so but it also means that are you spending enough time seeking God out? Are you in a church that is providing support that you need? Because if it's not, and you're still falling, faltering back because it just seems like no one is investing in you, you know, helping you grow in your faith, then go find a church that will. It doesn't mean you have to go to these other religion groups to try to find that because it's too far to go somewhere else. Well, if you have to go far, then go far. If you need to move, then move. You need to get away from where you're at to get away from where you're at. Joseph went into the room, Potiphar's wife, and she went and tried to entice him. What did he do? He turned and ran. Okay. You are given that opportunity to run from your, from your sin to get to God. You don't have to run away and then try to figure out a plan. That's, that's why I think a lot of people focus so much on the plan of avoidance versus allowing God to actually build in them a trust with him and accountability in him and his spirit to provide what you need to stay away from that sin. Open those doors that allow you to focus on him, not on the problem that you've been battling. This goes for any type of sin or any situation you want to add to it. You're struggling with money, you're spending too much money, you're struggling with drugs, you're struggling with, uh, you know, lying, stealing, hurting people abusing people there is a way to get away if you know if you accept a christ as your savior the holy spirit's in you for one and there should be an immediate change you should not be still indulging in all this stuff as normal it should not it should be a change in your desire to get away from this and you need to seek help to find a way to get away you need to grow in your faith you need to spend time and get with god you need to build that relationship i mean think about it Every day when you spend time with God, it's, it's, it's work, it's effort. Every day you spend time getting to know somebody, it's work and effort. You don't instantaneously become a friend with somebody and know everything about them and know their dislikes and likes if you don't spend time knowing who they are. <clears throat> it's like when I tell some of the young people, you know, you can't date someone if you don't spend time getting to know them. And if you only know them physically, then you don't really know them. So you may know God's word, you may be able to speak God's word, but do you know the God of the word? There's plenty of pastors and leaders out there that understand God's word by reading it and, and speaking it out and preaching it out loud, but they don't know God. There's no relationship with him. There's no earnest desire for praying. There's no earnest desire to uh be concerned for people's souls and see people change. They're so into how good they are and how they preach and how they teach that that's all that matters. And then they miss out on people who are struggling, who are falling apart because they're not there for them. So instead of seeing these roots go deep and strong 
solid, healthy, good soil, they end up being these stone type soils. And as things get hard, they, they grow really quick. I mean, it says it in the scriptures, they grow quickly. The, the roots just, just grow fast, but it doesn't take much for them to just get ripped out or torn apart or destroyed because there's not enough nutrients. There's not enough of that growth that they were supposed to have. They wither away. That's what they, some would say, they wither away and die. Because they're so weak. Their foundation is so poor. Because the pastors and leaders focus so much on just getting the seeker to find them and to accept Jesus that they forgot they need to invest. That's why it's actually better for a church to not grow so quickly without having the having the farmers to actually harvest. Because if they if there's too many leaders or there's not enough leaders to help those people that are in the church, you have people who will be any of these soils. Some will be strong while others may actually just never make it anywhere. Others, like we will find out next week, choke because there's not enough teaching training and growth and investment in that person that they lose track of what they're supposed to be doing they 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 get lost in their in their faith and it's like i I don't mean that you can't have a church that has you know good numbers of people like of course you got you know you want to have a congregation you want to have leaders you want to build up people you want to see growth but if you're growing so quickly that you're just getting all these people accepting Christ, but they're not growing in it and they falter right back into being like the world, there's something missing in your church. They should not falter that easily if you're investing in them. And even if you do invest with them and they do falter away, it's it's remember, it's not you, it's them between them and God and their walk and what they're chasing after because it's still their decisions. They still have to make the choice. You can invest. Sometimes investment won't come back as them growing and becoming stronger. But if you don't invest at all, then they will never grow and become stronger unless God provides a situation where they have people that invest in them outside the church, which it should not be that way, or they learn on their own, which it should not be that way the church should be investing in that that's why it's so important to have a good discipleship system in your church someone's new in christ you know have books aligned and ready for them to be reading uh maybe meet with them every single week um get them in a small group that will work with them that'll help them grow that will invest in them as well but it's gonna take time and take effort and take work this, this, these verses are pointed to you, the person. Are you invested in God? Or are you chasing after him? Are you being patient? Are, are you striving to have him be the center of your life? And are you changing things in your life so that you're not being faltered? You're not going back into the darkness that you once were because you never removed it, never cut it off. I honestly think a lot of people don't do that. I think people accept Christ, they go to church every Sunday, but they don't necessarily get rid of the stuff that they once were involved in 100% out of their life. 
I've seen it in people who they often they, they struggle with things they go to church but the struggle they have is every day around them like drug addiction or they struggle with understanding what it means to have a relationship with God so they still hang out with the wrong crowd the wrong type of people so instead of finding growth they end up falling right back into the old nature that they once had that's why sometimes even the best thing for you is to pray about maybe moving to a different place for that temptation that you once had every day is not there anymore because people can be that temptation they can cause you to falter fall back fall out of place So I'm going to pray real quick. Um, dear Holy Father, I thank you for this time. I ask that any men that are struggling in their relationship with you, they don't become the stone soil. That they invest to go deeper, to get past that ground that's, that's weak and get to the real deep good ground. So that that ground, I mean, it's not realistic, but that ground will grow and push those stones out of the way and be solid. And their roots will grow and become these strong roots that nothing, when it hits it, will allow them to falter and fall. I pray that you move men today to make sure that they are being founded, they are spending time with you, that they are wanting to grow, that they're in a good church, that they are in a small group that's helping them, that they find men that encourage and build them up, so that they don't have these weak roots anymore. I pray that they remove sin, that they change, that they that they put themselves in a situation that allows them to grow and doesn't allow them to be so easily tempted. Sometimes we're afraid of change, but sometimes you need change so that you can get back on track. Sometimes we are fearful of change, and so we falter and we stay comfortable. I ask, Lord, that you build men up today, that they find strength to be rooted in you and not have weak roots. I pray this, Lord, in Jesus' holy and heavenly name. Amen.